So if you are not here at the beginning of our service, this is what we call Family Worship Day, where uh, our kids get to come in with us in the uh, upper grades uh, to be a part of what we do in here. Um, a, a few weeks ago, I was out on the walkway, and I was walking past, and a parent was introducing me to their child, who's about six or seven. They said, this is, where I, this is who we get to speak to, or we get to hear when we take you to Sunday school class. And, and the kid looked at me like, I don't know who you are. And so it's just our idea, and we've done this a few times, of saying, let's bring them in and have them be a part and sit beside us uh, and understand what big church is or big worship is. And so I know there are a number of kids here with their parents. Kids, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take good notes, all right, okay, because you have an outline there, so take some notes. On the back side, though, there is a gap, there's a space, and if you would like to ever draw a picture of what you picture is the promised land. Today can be the day you do that. Okay? So if you want to draw a picture of what you in your mind would think of be the promised land, you can do that. Your mom and dad will help you on that. Don't let your mom and dad draw a picture, though, while I'm talking. Okay? All right? They need to listen. All right? But you do as well. And so you take some notes as we're talking here. But I'm going to ask you to do that. And then after the service, you come down and show me your picture. I'd love to. I'd love to see it. Well, we have had some exciting, exciting days here at First Baptist over the last month. We've been in this series called God's Grand Story. I hope it has been helping you put some puzzle pieces together of how God's story fits together, uh, coming through the book of Genesis and then into Exodus. And now we're looking at uh, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. Uh, and just kind of seeing how um, God's story of redemption is playing out. We have over 700 of you who are reading along in our devotional books. Uh, over 600 of you are in our community groups studying together. That is a praise. In fact, can we praise the Lord for that and thank Him for that many people being involved in the groups. That is the way you learn. That is the way, not just coming here on Sunday morning and hearing me speak, but you getting into God's Word and you studying it, that will make a huge difference in your life. So thank you for committing to that. We know others are listening online as well. Um, let me tell you where we've been. You see this timeline here from the beginnings that we had a couple of weeks ago in the book of Genesis and talking about the story of Abraham. Last week, Pastor Stephen did a great job of explaining Moses and the wanderings in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And today I get to step into the story of the promised land and talk a little bit about Joshua and him taking the Israelites into the promised land. You see the United Kingdom, the divided kingdom, those stories are coming up in the next couple of weeks. That leads us into uh, the captivity and then the coming kingdom as well, which takes us into the story of Jesus and his birth in the New Testament. So simply put, this is an amazing, amazing story that God has given to us of his redemption, providing the way uh, into a personal relationship with God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, which there is nothing better than that. Amen? Amen. That is what this is going towards as we see the story in the beginning of sin and the fall of man now being redeemed through the message of Jesus, which will be coming in the New Testament. See, ultimately, that's what God wants with you. He wants a relationship with you. And the only way that was able to be obtained was through a sacrifice of God's Son so that we can have a personal relationship with Him. And what that relationship means is that now we get to worship Him. 
We get to praise him. And it's not a, I have to do it, but it's I get to do it. We get now to be in relationship with God. We get now to serve him. As we had so many of you join us yesterday at the police department and paint the floors of the PD. Thank you so much for those of you who helped come and serve and made such a huge difference down there. We, we, we don't have to love God. We get to love God. We don't have to worship God. We get to worship God. I hope we never take that for granted. We never take that for granted. In fact, this last week I was in Washington, D.C. That's why I wasn't here last Sunday with our school. As we looked at the country and the founding fathers and some of them who signed the Declaration of Independence and those who um, were were pilgrims coming over uh, on on the Mayflower. And and we we saw the story in, in real life about the sacrifices that these men and women made to get to have the privilege that you and I have today of worshiping God. Not every country in this world gets to have a place like this where we can worship God in freedom. And that's why many of them left to come and pursue that kind of worship and praise. And I hope we never, ever, ever take that for granted. And the Israelites were God's people as well who left their land because God had a land for them where they could worship him in spirit and in truth. And so the story goes that Moses passed away. Moses is now dead. And a man by the name of Joshua is chosen to lead the Israelites. Now, the name Joshua is an interesting name because it, uh, the name Joshua and Jesus are essentially the same name, meaning God is salvation. And so there's a little spoiler alert there. There's a little kind of foreshadowing that as Jesus later leads us into a promised relationship with God, Joshua is leading the Israelites into the promised land. And if you have your Bibles, open them up to Joshua chapter 1, and let me jump into the story, verses 1 through 3. Verses are on your outline, they're also up on the screen, but if you have a Bible, pull that out, have that before you. Here goes. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to you, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. All right, some of you might wonder, okay, where is this land that he has given to them? Let me show you a map up here. Um, we started out a couple weeks ago talking about Abraham. Abraham was in this area, lived in Ur, in the land of Sumer. Um, the Israelites then, in the message last week, were over here in Egypt. They cross over the Red Sea. They do some wandering throughout the wilderness. And now this area up in here is called the Promised Land. This area right here is modern-day Israel. And so you can see it's just a little bit larger than that. But this area here is the chosen promised land that God is giving to his people. And for Joshua, this is a major responsibility. This is a high calling that he has to go into this land. And I have a feeling that he probably at times felt inadequate. He felt, well, well, Moses was the great leader. Now I'm kind of in the shadow of Moses. But he had to realize that God was calling him to be the one to take the people into the promised land. And notice it says promised land, not promised land. Okay? 
This is, this is promised land. This is already a done deal. God is giving this to his people. They just had to step through and take those steps to make this happen. But God didn't call Moses to do that. He called Joshua. And I asked the question to myself this week, why? Why was Joshua the chosen man? And so if you have the outline, pull that out. Let's go through that very quickly. The first point I wrote down there was this. God chooses a person who has a God-sized vision. Has a God-sized vision. I mean, do you realize that Joshua was only one of two adults who came out of Egyptian captivity to see the promised land? Only two did. He was one of two. Of the million people or so, the million or so adults that were able to go into the promised land that came through the wilderness, only Joshua and Caleb were the ones to do it. You remember why? Because in Numbers chapter 13, it tells us they were amongst the 12 spies, but 10 of the spies had an intimidating report that they gave to the people. In fact, look at the verse there out of Numbers chapter 13. Again, it's up on the screen, or if you want to read it in your Bibles, it says this, Numbers 13, verses 32 through 33. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw are of great what? Great height. They're of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. We're like grasshoppers in the land. It's the way they view us, and it's the way, quite frankly, we view ourselves. Here's my question. How do you see yourself in light of who God and what God has said about you? You see yourself that way? Do you think of yourself as a grasshopper and don't have the authority that God has placed upon you? Do you see yourself as just one of the people in this world of, you know, millions and billions of people and, and yet you're not much? Or do you see yourself as God has given you favor, as God has chosen you to say this is a great land? This is a great time to be alive. God is blessing our world. Joshua and Caleb were two people who said, this is a great land the Lord is giving to us. Look at what it is. Numbers 14, the next chapter over. Verses 6 through 8. And Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out, is an exceedingly, what did they say? It's a what? It's a good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and milk and honey. If the Lord delights in us, do you realize the authority you have because the Lord delights in you? Everything on this earth is under the authority of God. We don't have to feel like grasshoppers because he is on our side and he delights in us. Amen? That means you have authority over so much in this life because he is over all of that. Whatever marriage issues you may be going through, whatever you have walked in here with, 
Maybe it's you, maybe it's your children, maybe it's your grandchildren, and it just burdens you. Those issues, God can step in and make a difference in your life. Maybe it's financial troubles that you're working through right now. And you don't see how you can bury, unbury yourself from those issues. Maybe it's things at work. There are difficulties and struggles you're going through. Maybe it's with a boss, maybe it's with a coworker. Maybe it's um, depression you're facing. Maybe it's panic attacks that you have in your life. Um, you know, if you're not in a community group, I really encourage you to do that. There is such rich fellowship and God stories in the midst of that. One of the gals shared in our um, community group, and I asked her if I could share this with you. She said, absolutely. She shared, she shared you know, for the first uh, 20-something years of her life, she had panic attacks every day of her life. Every day. Up into her uh, young adult years, uh, early, early 20s, late 20s. Every day. And she said, but for the last 16 years, I haven't had one panic attack. And our group kind of leaned in as to say, why? What changed? And she said, it was when I first walked into First Baptist Church. And when I first heard God's word preached. And when I first then started realizing that God is for me, that God is on my side. And when I first started reading God's word, I have not had a panic attack since. Folks, that's what kind of authority God has in your life. When you see him in a God way, when you see him in the right way, when you have a God-sized vision of life, maybe you're here today and you have had a horrible family history. You've had dysfunction after generation of generation of generation. God can break that, break it today. Amen. There we go. Today, even over illnesses, today I've already prayed for four or five different people who just said, you know, I'm going through struggles. I'm I'm having some illness problems. I'm, I'm having situations. I'm glad you're bringing that to us. Bring it to us as leaders in the church. Let us pray for that. Many of you put those on your prayer cards. Yes, please put those down. We pray for those. This last week, Mark and Lori Brown are members here at our church, and Mark shared a story with me um, that was really a, a God story. I said, can I share that? He said, absolutely. That's what it's meant to do. Um, his son, Brandon, um, has had some issues with his legs. In fact, one of his legs had to be amputated about the, the knee down um, a number of years because it had uh, an infection and cancer in the bone. And um, They were struggling because Brandon was having some more illness and he was having an infection again in his leg. And so Brandon had gone a couple of months with it and was trying to kind of deal with it and work through with it. He had gone to the doctors for about two and a half, three weeks, and still nothing was coming of it. The doctors were perplexed. The doctors were saying, this does not look good. Let's do some more testing on it. Let's see what's going on. And when they got those test results back, they called him immediately and said, Brandon, you need to come in here and have an operation uh, today. You, you need to get in here. So Brandon and Shelly, they, you know, obviously are people of prayer and praying and Mark is a member at our church here, came into our staff meeting on Monday and said, hey, um, just want to let you know a little bit about what's going on. Some of you know, and you asked me to come in if I heard news, um, and he said, here's what's taking place. And our staff came around him and said, well, then we need to pray that God will step in the middle of this. And we have a God-sized vision of what God can do, even in the midst of sickness and of illness and the things are going on. 
took that. They received that. Obviously, Mark and Lori contacted family and friends. They were members of a Sunday school class here, people praying for them. The doctors started operating after they had seen the, the tests that were going on and thought what they were going to see when they got in. They started operating on his leg, and they got in. They looked inside there, and they said, this is nothing like we saw on the test that we just did. And First Baptist Church, let me tell you what happened here. God took a bone that was infected. He not only healed it, but now the doctors say what was wrong with the leg was that it was an ingrown hair. That's it. That was all it was. And when I talked to Mark about that, he said, I fully believe that bone was infected. They, they thought it was. They said it was. I fully believe that it was. He said, but God healed that bone. And when that took place, um, Brandon's brother was with him. And Brandon's brother came alongside and said, Brandon, that doesn't just happen. How, how does that come about? I was with you at the doctors. I was with you throughout this entire time. There were problems going on there. How does that take place? And Brandon looked back at him and said, so that you would see the power of God in my life. That's what he told him. Those God miracles happen when we understand that God is for us. Now, I don't always understand why they happen in some times and why they don't happen in others. But we as people here at First Baptist, we need to have a God-sized vision, not only for our own lives, but for our city and our country as well. Because God is up to something. We, we, we can't necessarily see it with the elections that we have coming up. And I know there's a lot of cynicism going on. And people are saying, well, should we vote or should we not? I, we need to be people of prayer first and foremost. Amen? Amen? And if you're not praying every night at 6 o'clock, like I hope that you would do, and I shared that with you a couple of months ago and said, let's join millions of people who pray every day, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific, Put that back on your alarm. Uh, put it on your phone for the next three weeks that we will be praying that God's hand is in our elections, not only in the presidential elections, but across the governor, across the cities, the mayors, and all the rest, that we would be people of prayer. And that we would see God's hand move in the midst of our country like never before. That we would be people of influence and look across our land and say, okay, even though maybe it feels like we're grasshoppers, even though maybe it feels like others think we're grasshoppers as well, no, we're going to be a Joshua in the land. And we're going to have good hope. We're going to have good reports back to say God is doing something, doing something in our land. And I know not many people probably nationally would say this, but, but Stockton is a promised land. Amen? It is. It is, and we're God's people who he is delighted in. And we need to see with God's eyes across our land and have that God-sized vision. That's what Joshua had. That's what Caleb had. Let me give you a second point, though. It's on your outline. And God uses people like Joshua and us as well. God chooses to use a person who listens to him first. Not second. Not as a last resort but who listened to God first. Remember what was going on there back in Joshua chapter 1? God was speaking, and as he spoke, Joshua was tuned in. When God says, Moses, my servant, is now dead in verse 2. Therefore, now go and over the Jordan to all who, uh, this people into the land that I am giving to you, 
to the people of Israel. It wasn't as though Joshua ran ahead and said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We don't have any leadership now here anymore. This country's going to hell in a handbasket. We can't vote for Hillary. We can't vote for Donald. What are we going to do? Who's going to be the leader of the next person here? What did he do? He first listened. He said, God, you're speaking. And so I'm listening. And God comes alongside and says, Joshua... It's you. You need to be a leader right where you are. Follow me with verses 5 and 6. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or, what's the word there? Forsake you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give to them. Listen, please don't get your thinking wrong on this. President Trump or President Clinton are not going to change our land. We do not put our trust in them. We do not put our trust in any government type of leaders. We put our trust in the Lord and the Lord only. Amen? And what the Lord is asking us to do is to be leaders right where we are. Each and every one of you. He's asking you to be a leader in your home life. He's asking you to be a leader in your work. He's asking you to be a leader in your neighborhood. That's the only way that this city and that this country is going to be changed. It's by following God in the small events, the everyday events that over time will gather big victories. In fact, this last week I was at a, a football game that was a blowout football game. And it reminded me of a story that Dr. Dobson told years ago. It, it was about an oil tycoon in the state of Texas. And if you've ever been to Texas on a Friday night in the fall time, you know, they worship out on the football field. They, they worship athletics and such. And, and this oil tycoon had been a part of this high school numerous years ago, 30 years before. And uh, he had made it rich, and he was having a tough time because his alma mater was losing game after game after game after game after game. After game after game. He hated going to the games. And so he approached the coach, and he said, Coach, can I come in and speak to your team and give them some sort of a pep talk? Because the last game of the year was coming into their season, and they were playing their crosstown rivals. Coach said, sure, nothing else has worked. Come on in. Give him a pep talk. The oil tycoon steps up in front of the team a week before the game and says, guys, if you can win this, week, this next week's football game, I personally will make sure that every one of you gets a part-time or full-time scholarship to whatever college you like across this country. Now, he's an oil tycoon, so he could do it. He could back up. The kids got so excited. They were on cloud. They started doing exercises like they had never exercised before. They started doing the drills like they had never done the drills before. They started cheering each other on like they had never cheered each other on before. They approached their teachers, and their teachers were writing them hall passes to get out of class, to be able to do the things with the team. And they were just, they, they, they performed as a team like they had never come together and performed before. Big game came on Friday night. The team ran out on the field. They were playing their crosstown rivals. They went into the game. They played as hard as they could. You know what happened? They lost. Absolutely, they did. Yeah, yeah, they lost once again. Do you know why? 
Because one week's time of doing things right doesn't make up for a whole season of doing it wrong. They should have started that way back in week one, week two, and week three, week four, week five, week six, week seven, week eight, week nine, and then maybe week ten would have been a little different. They needed to start with the basics first. And wherever you are in your life right now, God is actually saying, all right, clear the state. Just start doing it right now. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to get immediate victories. It doesn't mean you're going to get immediate results. But you start doing it right, and you watch the small victories go into medium-sized victories. You see, watch them go into large victories, into big-sized victories. Start doing it right. Start listening to God first. In fact, look at verses 7 and 8 and see how this would be applied across our land if we would just do this. Verse 7, God says, Be strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Which, by the way, those aren't political affiliations, right? To the left and the right, okay? All right, all right? Watch this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, For then you will make your way prosperous. He will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. So let me ask you. Gut check. How are you doing in that? How are you doing with reading your word day and night, meditating upon it? Uh, 700 of you have said, we're going to be in God's word. We're going to be joining community groups. We're going to be studying the devotions. Do we take those little, seemingly small steps that lead to bigger victories and greater God vision and God perspective on life? How are you doing in that? How about your talents or your serving, your abilities? You know, we had so many down at the police force, but we could have used more. Do you step out and say, okay, God, you've given me time. You've given me talents. You've asked me to serve. I'll serve. How about with your finances? Are you generous with your finances and say, God, I want to bless and help your cause across this world? How about with your choices that you make in life? How about with your thought life and what your thought life leads to? See, the Israelites crashed when they didn't honor God. When they grumbled, when they complained, when they began to say, it's about me, me, me. When they said, Moses, just take us back to Egypt. Don't have us out here. And they began to get their focus on themselves and off of God. And now Joshua steps up and says, okay, new day. Clear the slate. We're meditating upon God's word. We are focused upon God's word. We're going to be strong. We're going to be courageous. Because you can just track it through the Old Testament. When the Israelites were listening to God, when they obeyed God, they won the battles. And when they didn't, when they broke faith, they lost the battles. Which leads to the last point on your outline, and that's this. God chooses to use a person who is strong and courageous in the Lord. Strong and courageous in the Lord. Three times, from verses nine to verse, uh, verse 6 to verse 9, the Lord says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why was he asking them that? Because he knew they were going to struggle with it. 
And so you see the victories that are won. I, I mean, you just track right through the book of Joshua in chapter 3 where we see the, the, the Ark of the Covenant carried by the priests walking across the Jordan River. They had no idea how they were going to get across the river, and yet they just took the step of faith, and as soon as the soles of their feet hit the water, it dissipated, it backed up, and they walked across on dry land. Those are victories that they look back on and say, God, we trusted you and listened to you. Go to chapter 6. And you can see where God instructs the Israelites to go past Jericho, huge city. That wall, that city had not been defeated, and yet the Israelites were able to defeat it, not because of their might and their power, but because they listened to God and marched around, and as they blew the trumpets, the walls fell. I mean, you go to chapter 10. You see what happens in chapter 10, where God causes Joshua to be favored in a battle. The sun stands still. Hailstones fall upon the enemy army and, and defeats it. You, you just see the victory after victory after victory when they followed the Lord's ways. And you can likewise see the defeats when they didn't. In fact, chapter 7. You see a battle that happens there that they are defeated at. Why? Because God says you had some people plunder and keep some of the plunder. You stole from the enemy nations and you kept it in your own. Look at verse seven, uh, chapter 7, verse 12. It says, I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. You have things that you should not have. You stole them and plundered them and kept them. God says, no, I'll give you defeat when you do that. Let me remind you, back in chapter 1, verse 7, remember what God said? He said, Joshua, be strong and courageous, but be careful to do only according what the law says that I gave to Moses, and now I'm commanding you, don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right, you follow me, then you will have success. And Joshua was a great leader because he listened to the Lord first. But it wasn't just as a commander of the army. And it wasn't just as a leader of all the Israelites. Understand this. Joshua was also a leader in his own household. You say, Pastor Brad, how can you know that? Because you go to the end of the book of Joshua. And you follow it through and you see the um, victories. You see the minor defeats that they had. You see the last part of the book of Joshua. They're dividing up all the conquests of the promised land before them. And in chapter 24, verse 15, this famous verse is put in there. In fact... Many of you probably even have it up somewhere in your house. Would you read this verse with me? It's up on the screen. Would you read it with me? Go. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, absolutely. That's it. That's the verse that he shared. That's the words that he shared and that we have here today. And that's so important for us to know this, that it's not about the, the leadership all the way up to the top. It's about the leadership in our homes because here's one of the most tragic verses in the entire scriptures, that as we get into the book of now Judges, we see that the people have lost their way. In fact, look at Joshua, uh, excuse me, Judges chapter 2, verse 10. Joshua is now dead, and it says all that generation were also gathered to their fathers, so another generation of people have now died. And then these sad, sad words. 
there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Can you imagine our country if we did not remember God and all that he has done. That's why I went back from Washington, D.C. and up into the New York and the Plymouth area because we wanted to remember how God blessed the early people who came to this country and never lose that. We wanted to see how they demanded freedom of speech and freedom of worship and how God has prospered that because we're able to worship. And may we never skip a generation where we lose those freedoms and we lose a place to worship like here at First Baptist Church. That's why we have a large children's building next door. That's why we have a school. That's why we have you kids sitting in here right now listening to us and listening to God's word. That's why your parents bring you and your grandparents bring you because they want you to know as well what God's word says. And they don't want to skip a generation. And some people may say, well, we've already in the middle of skipping it right now. Then if so, we need to be the world changers. We need to be the ones who say no and get back to God's word and get back to studying it and get back to learning it and get back to meditating upon it. Not so that it'll go leadership back up the chain of command, but so that in our homes and in our workplaces and in the place of influence that we have will make a difference. That's what Joshua was about. Joshua was blessed by God because he had a God-sized vision. And because he listened to God when God spoke to him. And because when God said, you be strong, Joshua, you be courageous, he was. May we never skip a generation in this country. Because when we do, God's hand will be off of our land. And the things that will happen are not anything that we even want to imagine. But we can be those world changers. We can be like Joshua to say, no, we will be strong and courageous. As for me and my house, we will serve who? First Baptist, as for us and in this house, we will serve who? May you not just do that here, but may you do that in your lives as you go home, as you travel, as you work, as you lay your head to rest. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for the story of Joshua, for the way that he reminds us of how much a part of our lives you are in, of how the battles and the victories that we face are not our battles and victories, but Lord, they are yours. May we never feel as though we are battling on our own. May we never feel as though that we are grasshoppers in the land trying to defeat others on our own. But God, may we always, always know that You are before us, that you delight in us when we know you, when we know you through your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you for your redemption story. Thank you for what that means to us. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. Even as you sent Joshua to allow the Israelites to walk into the promised land, thank you that you have sent Jesus for us, for promised salvation. The redemption story that you are bringing us to. God, may we realize that we have a huge part to play in this. That we are to be people who choose this day whom we serve. First Baptist, if if you and your home life have not done that yet, my prayer is that you would take that step today. 
That today would be the day that you say, I am walking in the ways of the Lord. That I am choosing to follow Him. And the way that you make that step is to first off pray for Jesus Christ to be your leader, to be your Lord and Savior. It's to pray by faith and to say, Lord Jesus, I might not know everything about what this means, but I know enough to say, Lord Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you direct me? Would you guide me through the journey? I believe today in faith that you went to the cross to die for me. I believe today in faith that you rose again. And today I repent of my sins and I trust you. And when you do, watch the victories that God directs you upon. They might not be the big ones right away, but they will be steps as you take your next steps, as you get your life in line with his steps for you. You know, if you prayed that prayer today, I challenge you to come and talk to one of us, the leader here at the church. We'd love to walk you through and explain how you can now grow in your steps, grow in your faith. God, I thank you for so many across this congregation, though, that have already taken that step to say yes to you. My prayer today is that they would not be grasshoppers in their eyes and in other eyes, that they would have a holy boldness. Whether that's a boldness over their marriage, whether that's a boldness over sickness, that's a boldness over their finances, that's a boldness over their family history and the dysfunction of that. Lord, may today be a new day. May it be a day when they put a stake down and say, this changes things because God is now going before me. God, we follow you. We are strong. We are courageous. We love you. We love you because you first loved us. God, you are so good to us. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you for Jesus. For it's in your name we pray.